The Pat Kenny Show with MasterCard. Share an extraordinary experiences all over the world with priceless cities at priceless.com. This is News Talk. Balding cats, mites, fleas, ringworm. Did you know that skin disease is one of the most common reasons for pets to be taken to the vet? Well, to hear more about what you can do to prevent this is uh, Pete the Vet, Pete Wedderburn from Bray. Good morning. Good morning to you, Pete. Um, so, it is very common. Really, really common, yes. I, I don't remember the statistics exactly, just that that's, it is the most common for pets to go to the vet. Um, and I, I think the key thing that people need to understand is that what you absolutely need to strive for is an accurate diagnosis as to why your pet is itching. Because if you can find out the reason why they're itching, then you can sort it out. Okay, how common is fleas? You know, that's fleas, the first thing you think of. The, that is the number one cause of itchiness. And one of the complexities there is that animals don't always have fleas on them when they're itching. Because what happens is fleas spend most of their lives actually in the environment. So what they can do is they can hop on to the dog or the cat, they can have a little nibble, then they can hop off again. And the animal is left with this allergic reaction to the flea bites, but there's no sign of any fleas. So one interesting statistic is that 70% of cats are referred to dermatologists because of itchy skin. 70% get better when nothing is done other than putting in a really thorough flea control program. So yeah. in, those, in those 70% of cats, there's absolutely no sign of any fleas whatsoever. Whoever, nobody's suspecting fleas, but the dermatologist simply says, let's rule them out with a thorough flea treatment, and those cats stop itching. Okay, so, so the fleas jump on, mm. have a nibble or two, and then jump off. Do mm-hmm. they lay anything in the fur yes, or do no, anything what, like No, not in the fur. They lay, their, they lay their eggs in the environment, in the carpets and the soft furnishings of the house. And that's when it gets complicated, because those eggs can last for up to a year, and they're pretty much indestructible. So if you use a spray that kills fleas in your house, well, the eggs will still hatch out a month later. You've got the problem all over again. Mm. So you have to use a special spray that stops the eggs from developing. Now, are there mm. cat fleas, dog fleas, human fleas? They're, or are they all the same? There's dog fleas and cat fleas and hedgehog fleas, but they tend to all infect the same um, but dogs, cats, and hedgehogs. But can they jump on humans? They, do, they jump on humans, bite us, don't like the taste and leave us alone. So people don't get infested with animal fleas, which is good news. Okay. Flea treatments, how simple? They're really simple. They've improved a lot in recent years. So they, they start with simple spot-on products that might last a month or two months. They go on to tablets. You can get a tablet now. Give one tablet a month, one tablet every three months even, and any fleas that bite your pet will just die. So there's no excuse not to control fleas. There's lots of great ways of doing that. So... Uh, flea problem is simply an itch problem. It is, yes. Yeah. Um, there are other problems, though, that dogs and cats may have. Yeah, there's a long, long list of, of different types of dermatological crises. Probably the most common disease is simple um, allergies. So allergies to dusts and pollens, um, all sorts of things in the environment. That's really, really common. And so, and there's, there's a long, long list of other possible causes too, hormonal diseases, um, different types of infections. But what I wanted to mention was that there are, I mean, Every cause needs a specific treatment, depending on what the cause is. But there are some very general things that you can do to help skin health gen- you know, in, in a very non-specific mm-hmm. way. And anybody with an itchy pet, it's worthwhile looking at these methods of just you know, basically optimizing the skin health. Yeah. Now, uh, nutraceuticals, in other mm. words, uh, things that are effectively foods but have a therapeutic effect. 
That's right. And that would be the number one thing. And essentially what we're talking about there is essential fatty acids, which are oils. It's funny, the word fatty acid doesn't make you think of an oil, but um, essential fatty acids are actually oils. And there's two types that are important to the skin. The first one is omega-3 fatty acids, and these are most commonly found in oils from fish. The second type is omega-6 fatty acids, and these are widespread in plant-based oils like sunflower oil. Now, do the proprietary dog foods include these? They do. All food includes these at some level, but to optimize skin health, you want to aim for a high level of these, and importantly, you want to have the correct ratio. And that means between 5 and 10 times omega-6 fatty acids to just one omega-3 fatty acid. Now, bearing in mind that most most foods include quite a lot of omega-6 fatty acids. If you think about things like sunflower oil are really, really common in, 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 in the uh, Basically, wherever people have food, there's that sort of stuff in them. Whereas fish oils and, and even primrose oil, those kind of things are harder to harder to find. So generally, it means supplementing your pet's diet with those types of products. But the best way to do it is actually to go to, go to a pet shop or a vet and buy um, supplements designed for skin health, essential fatty acid supplements that are designed to and optimize. suddenly your dog will have a sleek coat. Not suddenly, funnily enough. What you have to remember is it takes about six weeks for, for it to go, if you like, from the mouth to the intestine, into the bloodstream, and into the skin, to become integrated with the skin. And essentially what will happen is the quality of the fur will improve over that long time. Okay, so, so don't, after don't, six weeks or so, you should have that sleek coat. You should indeed. So and, don't uh, give up just because it doesn't happen overnight. Exactly. And also, you mentioned diets. Yes, there are some diets that are, have a naturally high level of essential fatty acids. So same thing, don't judge a diet till your dog's been on it for six weeks or so. Uh, what about uh, shampoos and oils and yeah. creams and moisturisers uh, and all the rest? Well, there's confusion over these amongst owners often. Um, I'd say there's four things about shampoos. First thing is, any general gentle shampoo is helpful. Use a pet one, not a human one. Pet um, the, the pH of pet skin is lower than human skin so you want to use a pet shampoo secondly you can get shampoos that specifically treat bacteria and yeast infections the best of those are available on prescription only from vets so if your dog has an issue like that then you should talk to your vet about getting that type of shampoo thirdly you can get the equivalent of human anti-dandruff shampoos that help with scaliness if your dog's got a very very scaly coat examples include um, shampoos that include sulfur or salicylic acid type ingredients The, the next one would be follicle flushing shampoos these are quite specific technical ones you'd probably be guided by your vet towards one of those shampoos if it was if it was going to be necessary and the last one which i think is helpful helpful just over the counter is oatmeal based shampoos we know that oatmeal actually soothes the skin takes away that red itchy feeling mm. so oatmeal based shampoos are very effective too so there's a range of different options there yeah now we sometimes wash our dogs shampoo our dogs we don't do that with cats or do we i don't have a cat so you, you you can do it's not generally needed as much cats are very good actually at looking after their own mm. coats they, they lick themselves clean and a develop lot. a fur ball on their tummy but <laughs> <laughs> well that's another topic we'll talk about another time because actually time. that's a bit controversial but that's another day's work all right. Well, now, <laughs> loads of questions uh, coming in. Very quick one on my screen. How often should you worm a cat? Well, it, generally every three months. Every month if they're big hunters. Uh, my 12 and a half year old Shetland Collie has been diagnosed with uh, pancreatitis and kidneys that are not working properly. He's on a drip in day hospital for 10 hours a day. He's much brighter and has his spark back. I've been told he's not out of the woods by any means. Generally, will this save him? I'm so scared and worried, but I will do what's best for him. That's from Shane and Tala. Well, well, Shane, I wish I could promise that it will save him. I would say to you, the worst case of pancreatitis, don't, you know, they get worse than they die like within 48, 72 hours. 
hours. So the fact that he's carrying on like he is is a really good sign, but it is a complicated disease and sometimes there are other complex underlying issues behind it. This is one to really talk to your vet in detail about if you want to get the most accurate prognosis. Um, have a border collie and every September he constantly runs around and rubs sorry rubs around his eyes and his hair falls out around the eye it grows back but the cycle repeats first three or four years the vet prescribes steroids but last year just used uh, half an antihistamine tablet on advice of fellow dog owners as soon as the scratching starts the problem never arose no scratching hair intact is this safe to do well possibly possibly not um it sounds like it's allergic skin disease, the fact that it's happening in a seasonal way like that. Your vet's uh, prescribing you with an anti-inflammatory medication. And what you're doing with an antihistamine is you're, you're, produ- you're using a slightly milder version of an anti- anti-inflammatory product. Um, I would say to you, if I were you, I would talk to your vet about using an antihistamine because vets know which antihistamines are safe. Not all antihistamines that are designed for humans are safe to use in pets. So simply phone your vet and say, listen, this year I want to try using antihistamines. I did last year. Um, I'm going to do it again. Is it safe to do this? That's the best thing to do. Uh, I have a one-year-old rescue cat. Recently we noticed she had what looks like a pooch or a pouch of fat under her tummy just in front of her rear legs. Also, her front legs have got very big as if there's fluid on them. Last week she wasn't herself, brought her to the vet, but when they tried to sedate her, her lungs reacted so they only got a quick x-ray and had to bring her round. Thankfully she was okay, but they noticed abnormalities on her lungs which they aren't sure what they are they said it's risky sedating her again and recommended bringing her to the veterinary hospital a cost of approximately a thousand euro just wondering would you have any idea um we did tell the vet we were putting shaken vac into her litter tray not knowing it wasn't good for animals she is eating and drinking but uh, not fond of jumping anymore. That's from Ronan. Well, it does sound, Ronan, as if, as if there's something very, very dramatic going on there. It sounds like there's fluid accumulating under the skin and possibly in, around the lungs, and this isn't good news at all. And again, what you need to do is to get an accurate diagnosis. There's a, I can already think of about half a dozen possible causes of that. The only way to find out is to do extra tests. I would say to you, the, the, the UCD, the veterinary hospital, is not going to suddenly charge you a grand. They're not going to say, there, 1,000 euros, please. I would have a consultation with them and a discussion and that's not going to cost you 100 euros or something go to them and say listen what what are you planning to do and ask them if they can do this in a graduated way um, give them a budget and they'll they'll take you through it step by step you don't need to rush in there and have all the tests for viruses and bloods and x-rays and ultrasounds and cat scans on day one you can put a ceiling on how far you want to go but you definitely need to do that because this is something complex my massive three-year-old dog has itchy paws, keeps chewing them. I have him on grain-free nuts, but no different. Can you help? From Ursula. I'm not surprised grain-free nuts don't help. Food allergy is exceptionally rare, and grain-free is just a fad that's going around just now. Um, there's no logic to it. Anyway, um, there's a long list of possible causes. I would wonder about things like mites. There's a particular kind of mite called Demodex, which is very common, and it affects dogs' feet, especially young dogs' feet. Easy to diagnose by a vet. A simple skin scrape will show the mites up on the microscope slide. So, yeah, that's what you need to do. A final one for the moment before you head off uh, to do Facebook Live. What can I do for my dog's warts? Had two removed surgically as they were in bad spots on the eyelid. That's from Maura in Sligo. Okay, first of all, they're not actually warts, although people often refer to them as warts. They're actually sebaceous adenomas generally. They're tiny, they're little benign um, tumours. Very, very common in older dogs. They only need to be removed if they're actually causing a problem, like if they get itchy or if they're in a bad place, like on an eyelid. Um, and um, 
Otherwise, generally, we just leave them alone and okay. older dogs start to sprout these things all over them and it doesn't seem to bother them at all. They're not, they're not, um, they don't scratch at them generally? Generally, they don't. They're not vain about their appearance. <laughs> all right. On that note, uh, Pete the Vet, Pete Wedderburn, thank you very much. And Pete is answering more questions on Facebook Live in a few moments. Uh, just uh, go to facebook.com forward slash News Talk FM.